Today, uh, tonight, I want to do something a little different. You know, there's a tradition in the Catholic Church, a tradition of prayer, which is called Lexio Divina. Now, Lexio Divina, it's a Latin. Lexio means reading, and Divina means divine or godly or sacred reading. And in Lexio Divina, what you do is, see, just for you to, to give you a little background, people think that prayer is talking to God. It's actually the exact opposite. Prayer should never be you babbling to God. When people tell me, I ask people, do you pray? And they say, oh yeah, I talk to God all the time. I always want to say, do you ever listen? Uh, because most of the time when you're talking, you're just not listening. And so the question is, well, how do you listen to God? Well, there's something called the Bible. And uh, reading it, and not just reading, I, I tell people, don't read the Bible. For God's sake, don't read the Bible. Don't read the Bible. Study it. Because you can, you can confuse yourself. Remember, the Bible is a, is a, I don't want to get into this too much, but the Bible is actually a library. It's a library of books written in the Middle East from 2,000 to 4,000 years ago. So if you don't study the Bible, you're inevitably going to misinterpret it, inevitably. So to, when you study, when you do um, Lexio Divina, what you do is you listen to God mostly instead of talking to him. So what the style would be that you would take, say, a passage from the Gospels, or you read the Gospel, maybe a few lines of the Gospel, and then you stop, and then you read it again, and then you stop. And you treat listening to the Gospel, reading the Gospel, and let the gospel, I always like to use this example of watering a potted plant. You know, when you water a potted plant, you don't just take a hose and leave it on there and go and leave it on. What do you do? You, you take, maybe if you're using a hose or if you're using a, you know, a, a, some kind of a bucket, you take the, the, the water and you put a little bit on. But then what do you do? You, you withdraw it and you let the water sink down into the soil. You don't keep watering it. Well, in Lexio Divina, it's the same thing. You, what you do is you read a passage, and look, notice what's happening. Um, your mind is getting watered. But what is your mind, what's going into your mind? It's not water. It's the Word of God that's going into your mind. And then when you, when you read a little bit, stop. Don't keep reading. That's like keeping water going into, into, the, the, into the pot. Let it sink in. And so read it and a few times and let it sink in. Why? Because God's word is alive. And when it gets inside of you, what it begins to do without you even noticing it, it begins to reformat your thinking. You actually begin 
See, you're eating, literally, you're, you're eating with your eyes and you're reformatting. The Word of God inside of you is reformatting the way you think. And if you do that often enough, you begin to do what St. Paul says, which is you put on the mind of Christ because your mind is being reformatted to think in similarity to the scriptures that you're reading. So, why did I tell you about Lexio Divina? Well, because I want to take the same technique and use it with a Christmas song. Okay? So tonight, what I want to do is I want to use the first verse of O Holy Night. The first verse of O Holy Night. And what I want to do is I want to take the first verse and take it apart. Not take it apart literally, but I mean just to be with it. Not just sing it as a cute or sweet little Christmas song, which it is. You can, you can do it like that. But I want the, 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 the song, to me, especially the first verse, is so religiously profound that I have spent the last few weeks these, these last few weeks, uh, that song, that first verse, has been rumbling through my mind. This last few weeks have been quite um, interesting for me, interesting in a sad and challenging sort of way. My cousin passed away yesterday. Um, she was here in Houston. Um, Miriam was her name. And Miriam had cancer for a long time. And I was visiting her on a regular basis. But Miriam's cancer and another good friend that I'm visiting that is struggling with cancer too, those two, plus also the fact of, you know, I'm 73 years old. And it's interesting, you know, most of you, well, some of you here have been 73, but most of you here have never been 73 but I have been your age. <laughs> and let me tell you, when you um, get to be in your 70s, you look at your life and you go, you know, there ain't much left. You start, you know, when you're young, you think of death as a, uh, you know, sometime in the future. But the older you get, the more you understand that there ain't much future left. You know, maybe a typical life of a guy these days is, what, 80, 85? And then you die. And I'm not far away from that. And so having to go through this, visiting my friends with, with cancer and, and my cousin dying and, being, and just feeling the, the, the passage of time on my body, I mean, literally your body literally starts to decompose under you. Uh, and your mind is still as fresh as it ever was, but your body just starts going down. And so this, when I heard at the beginning of the Christmas season, I heard O Holy Night, which has always been my favorite. 
But that first verse, that first verse really just got to me. And then I, I started trying to focus on it. And I would turn on the radio, and of course, when you turn on the radio and people are playing Christmas music, it was so full of Santa Claus. Well, we're in church. I better not use it, the word. Um, was so full of Rudolph, red-nosed reindeer, and I'll be home for Christmas, and all this sentimental schmuck. And, and it just, I had to struggle to really focus and concentrate what is exactly the meaning. And you know what broke the camel's back? A friend of mine sent me a video from YouTube that was a, a video with a song. Um, oh, where is the line for Jesus? Where is the line for now? It's a it's an interesting song because what it is is it's a song that um, that where is the line for to see Jesus? This woman is in a mall and she's going around shopping. And she sees a long line of kids waiting for Santa. And they're all standing. And she turns around, and this little boy goes up to her. And we can't tell if the little boy is some sort of angel or somebody. But the little boy goes up to her and says, where's the line to see Jesus? Where's the line to see Jesus? Is his line here in the mall? And of course, when she she's kind of woken up by that, but then she looks away and the kid's gone. But just the song, by the way, it's um, by a lady by the name of Becky Kelly, and um, you can find it in YouTube. It's it's where's the line to see Jesus official music video. Anyway, um, it really hit me. You know, because of all the Santa stuff and all the Rudolph and all the all the Arlet garbage, you know. And please understand, I I don't find it all garbage. Periodically, I, I enjoy it, but when you get to the point of trying to focus on the religious meaning, you end up thinking, "My God, there's so much of this other stuff," and you never. I think in the in the desire to be inclusive. We sort of never we sort of put Jesus on the back burner to make sure we don't offend anybody. Well, I'm sorry, this is Christmas. Christmas, Christ Mass, Christ coming forward. No, but anyway, it's not Rudolph. Anyway, um, what what I what I want to do is I've asked the choir. Um, now you're gonna hear this song, just the first verse. Okay? Just the first verse. You're gonna hear it two more times. But I want you to listen to it. Oh, here's the dynamic. I want you to listen to the first verse intensely. Don't, don't hear it as a Christmas carol. Hear it as a prayer. And instead of you talking to God, let God, through that song, speak to you. Let the song go into your head and try to understand exactly what it's saying. And then I'm going to talk about it. 
And then, after I finish talking about it, you're going to hear it again. And I want to know if it makes any difference in your mind. So, first time, go. If uh, the people on the booth, if you would just show me the first few words, the first line, O holy night, the stars are brightly shining. Now, what I want you to do is to think back on the first reading. The peep that from Isaiah, who was about 700 years before the birth of Jesus. Listen to the first sentence. And you got to know that the church picks the reading specifically to go with the gospel. But listen to the first sentence of the first reading, and then let's look at it with O Holy Night. From the reading from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Upon those who dwell in the land of gloom, a light has shone. Just stop right there. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Upon those who dwell in the land of gloom, a light has shown. Now let's look at whole holy night. Why is it holy? 
And why are the stars brightly shining? And if you go to the next part, the next part in the, it is the night of the dear Savior's birth. I want you to understand that the reason we don't see the stars brightly shining, you know why? Because we live in the city. The darker the night, the easier it is to see the stars brightly shining. You know who didn't see the stars brightly shining? The people in Jerusalem. Why? Because they were all busy about all the stuff that they had to do. And the light from the city obscured the darkness in which they lived. And so they lived in an illusion. They lived in an illusion of light, but it was man-made light. And it was a light that sooner or later would burn out because it's artificial. And so, long, oh holy night, and it's going to tell you why it's a holy night. The stars are brightly shining. And why? Because the darkness is profound in the country where Jesus is born. And because it is bright, it is the night of the dear Savior's birth. You see, only the people who recognize that they are in darkness can see the stars brightly shining. If you think everything's okay and you live in the fast city where you can have light anytime you want, you're never going to see the stars brightly shining because it's only when people get to the point of darkness, darkness without any artificial light, when you, get, when you hit bottom, that's when you look up and you see the stars brightly shining. But until then, you're busy carrying your own torch. And so let's go on. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Now, there's, the next one is my, I wish they would have put it, cut it differently, but listen to this. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Next slide. Till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. I wish that were in the same slide. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Now, if you look up the word pining, it's an interesting word. I looked it up in the dictionary. Pining. To yearn in intensively and persistently, especially for something that is unattainable, such as they pined for their lost wealth. So to pine is to not to want something that is unattainable. Previous slide. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Folks, if you read, I love to read history. And if you read social history of what the world was like in the ancient world, 
you know why people were pining in sin and error. I was telling, I, I said this at the earlier Spanish Mass. I said, you know, if you t got into a time machine and you went, let's say, and you put yourself in the first century before Jesus and you landed in the middle of Rome, and of course, when people see you dressed strangely, they would arrest you, the Roman soldiers would arrest you, and they would bring you before the emperor. And you would be fighting the Roman soldiers. Let me go. I'm from Houston, Texas in 2000, year 2020, 2022. Let me go. You're violating my rights. I've been victimized. And you say that to the Roman emperor. He's going to look at you and he's going to start laughing. My rights, have, what rights? You belong to me. I can do with you whatever the hell I please. You have no rights. I am the owner of every single one of you, and I can have you killed whenever I want, and I'm the law. Not only am I the law, I'm God. The emperor is God. You don't question God. That's why, by the way, the Christians were put to death. The Christians were put to death because they refused to adore the emperor. Because Jesus is Lord, the emperor is not. And so if you were to say, my rights have been violated, you go, what rights? And then you would say, I feel victimized. And the emperor would look at you, and he would just begin to laugh. And he says, oh, yeah, we're victimizing you, all right. We have a circus that we built. And we built that circus just to victimize people. See, our entertainment is putting people in the middle of that place and watching them tear themselves apart. They're called gladiators. And we love it when they stab and they cut each other to pieces and people scream and yell, kill him, kill him, kill him. Yes, sir. You're a victim, all right, and we really like it. We really, as a matter of fact, years later, they would do that to Christians. They would bring in Christians and throw them to the lions and to the tigers. They would burn them in order, Nero used to burn Christians on stakes to light his banquets. Yes, sir, you're a victim, all right. You're a victim. And they liked it. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. You're fine as long as you're the emperor. But if you're one of those gladiators or one of those people being eaten alive or burned, you're pining all right. You're pining because you're the victim of the sin and error pining. Long lay the world. And that just described Rome, by the way. Multiply that times all the ancient empires. If you think the whole idea of having rights and individual dignity is normal, boy, do you need to study some history. Because that's a Christian concept that is only normal because our world is swimming in Christian values. We are so marinated in Christian values, we don't even know it. We just think it's normal, and that's bull. Long lay the world in sin and error pining. Next. Till he appeared 
and the soul felt its worth. Think about that. What do you mean the soul felt its worth till he appeared? Why? Because in the ancient world, human life was worthless. It was worthless. And you knew you were worthless. You were totally worthless. It was only when he appears and we understand that God has become one of us. And we say, what? God has become a human so that humans can be like God? Jesus said, whatever you do to the least of my brethren, you did it to me. And all of a sudden, the individual becomes totally infinite worth. We go from meat for the entertainment of the Colosseum to dignity. Where do you think that comes from today? Why do you think we're not like Rome anymore? Because you're swimming in Christian values and you just think it's normal. It ain't. It's Christian values that have transformed it. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. We kind of understood for the first time who we were to God. You see, the ancient gods, think about all the ancient gods and all the non-Christian, all the ancient religions. What would they do? Sacrifice. Well, you know what sacrifice meant? It also meant human sacrifice. The human sacrifice. They would kill you and offer you to God, and everybody would just go, yay. The soul felt its worth. Okay, now look at the next sentence. A thrill of hope. The weary soul rejoices. Actually, that's a misprint. It's supposed to be a weary world rejoices. It's the same thing. Why does a weary world? You see, let me tell you something. You can't rejoice until you're weary. Let me, let me just get that clear. Until you get weary of being human, until you get weary of all the bull pucky that is around, until you get sick of being human and being, seeing all that's around you, you're not going to get a thrill of hope because you're too satisfied with where you are. You just haven't tasted the world enough. A thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices. Why? Because if you're a person who is not there, you don't want the morning to come. You want the night to continue. But once the night is filled with terror and persecution, all of a sudden you're looking forward to, where is some light? Give me some light. And when you see a light, you almost pee your pants. You're so happy. You're so happy. A thrill of hope. Oh my God. There's hope. A weary soul rejoices. But you can't rejoice until you're weary. For yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. The world is, in, is, is ending. The old world. Next slide. Fall on your knees. Why? Why does he use, why don't it says 
get on your knees. It says fall on your knees. You know why? Have you ever seen somewhere where like somebody wins a lot of money or they, they see someone they haven't seen for a long time and their knees get weak and they fall on their knees? That's what it's describing. Notice it doesn't say get on your knees. Fall on your knees. It's involuntary. You're, you're overwhelmed. Oh, hear the angel voices. You see, only the people who fall on their knees can hear the angel voices. Why? Because they're the only ones who are in need of a new and glorious morn. O night divine, O night when Christ was born. Go back to Isaiah. Isaiah says, For those who dwelt in the land of gloom, a light has shone. If you're not in a land of gloom, if you like the night, it's not going to be a night divine. You want the night to continue so it can cover you up, cover up what you're doing. O night divine, O night when Christ was born. And what's making it all? Adam, don't go too far because I'm almost done there. Okay, it's our pianist. O night divine. Now, Having taken that apart, now, what I want you to do is to listen to just the first verse again. But now, I want you to take this song, and I want you guys to sing it slowly. I want it, I want it now to, for you to make believe you're tasting a bottle of $1,000 wine. You don't just gulp it. You let it fall inside your tongue. Now listen to that first verse, but with a different understanding. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night. Oh, 
Merry Christmas.